Hello, listeners of the Commonweal Podcast. This is Matthew Sittman, associate editor of the magazine, and we're bringing you a special bonus extended segment of the Commonweal Podcast. Uh, it features part of the audio of our recent interview with Fran Leibowitz that you might have read in the February 22nd issue. And this interview came about in a kind of strange way. One day I was at the office and I got a phone call from Vanity Fair, which uh, is the magazine Fran Leibowitz has long been associated with. The person on the other end of the phone asked me if I knew who Nick Haggerty was. Nick is a former intern at Commonweal, and he apparently had sent Fran Leibowitz a letter, care of Vanity Fair, asking if she could be interviewed. Fran graciously agreed. So one day she came by our offices here in Morningside Heights, where Nick Haggerty, his friend James Lassen, who is a longtime fan of Fran's, and myself sat down with her for just over two hours. She was incredibly generous with her time, and frankly, just speaking personally, it was one of the most fascinating conversations I've had with anyone in quite some time. We didn't expect to actually use this audio. We had recorded it just so we could transcribe the interview for it to be in the magazine. It was just recorded on my phone, which was sitting on the table across from Fran and myself. But once we actually listened to the audio, we realized it could be used, in fact. And given how distinctive Fran's style of speaking is, her voice, we thought you might enjoy listening to it. So we hope you enjoy it. I mean, did you have, I mean, you you know a lot of people in New York. Did you ever have any interactions with Trump? Or You know, people ask me this when he, after he got elected. <laughs> and I would tell you this, that yes, like in very, very, very big events, by which I mean the kind of event that even Donald Trump could get into. Um, <laughs> I would, I have seen him and I'm sure that I met him. But I never talked to him. I mean, do, do you know? Do you have any dirt on him? Have you heard any? <laughs> I mean, what kind of dirt do I have to have him? Do you see what he's doing? It's like, like, None of it matters. Yeah. It's not furtive what he does. It's not covert. It's like he openly is like shown, you know, on the phone to Vladimir Putin. Like, what possible thing could he be doing covertly? Like when people say, "What do you think he's really doing?" This is what he's really doing. I mean, there are people who have hidden things that are minute compared to the things that he does every single day in full view of the world okay so that you know i don't know i mean the reason that donald trump lost new york city nine to one nine to one um, so like it's uh, it's unbelievable so everyone in new york knew he was a cheap hustler he wasn't he, no one in new york even described him as a real estate developer the actual real estate developers not exactly a sterling group of people they looked down on him because he didn't give money away First of all, because he wasn't a real estate developer. So the, you know, the people who are the real estate developers in New York City, it's kind of a mob. I mean, a mafia. In other words, there's like five or six families, you know, uh, that are big developers in New York. And many of these families are in the third, some the fourth generation. So once, you know, this is always, well, not always, Trump's not going to do it. But, you know, when the initial stealing and looting is over and then the next generations come, they clean themselves up by giving away a lot of money. You know, and Trump never gave away money. And they completely, I've been around these guys, they judge each other by so-and-so gave only $10 million to the men. I gave $20 million to the men. You know, I always feel like saying, where'd you get this money? I don't want you to give away this filthy money. I want you not to get this filthy money to begin with. You know, let, yeah. take my taxes, give that to the Met. You know, but uh, they look down at him because he's not a real developer. And he never was, mm -hmm. you know, 
and because he's a liar and he's cheap and he used to you know he used to he never he's never understood why he you know didn't it you know, wasn't accepted by those people in new york he's never mm-hmm. understood that but someone like me by which i mean someone who was around at the time you know the first time i ever heard of donald trump is the first time probably most people my age ever heard of donald trump which is he bought a building the building that is now trump tower um it was a department store it was uh, called, I think it was Bonwood Teller, that department store. The department store was out of business. It's a very beautiful 1930s building, and it freezes on the top of it. He bought it. He was going to knock it down. That part of uh, Manhattan, of course, was not um, landmarked. So some, I don't know who, I guess the, the people, I guess, from that run these kind of institutions wanted these freezes. So they asked him, who they never heard of five minutes before, will you remove them? Instead of knocking them down, and we will take them to the Met. Will you take them off the top of the building? They ran around the, it wasn't that high, that building, and it, it must have been maybe five stories, six stories. Will you take them and, and so, and don't bang them down with the wrecking balls or whatever they do to knock down a building? And he said yes, and then he knocked them down. And he knocked them down because I guess he said to someone, Does it cost more? Of course it costs more. To take them off, the, but does it cost like a zillion? Dollars? No, it costs more to take something off the building than it does to knock down the whole building all at once. And that was it. Everyone remembers that he did that. Mm-hmm. And then he said, at first he said no, when they asked him. He was astonished by the request because he never heard of anyone caring about architecture. And that was really it. Mm-hmm. He was astonished by the request. And when people, there was a lot of pushback on him for this. I remember. You know, seeing him like on the news saying, I don't understand what they're talking about. It's my building. Mm-hmm. It's my building. I own it. I own the building. It's my building. How can you possibly have anything to say about my building? So there was never a consciousness in him. This is our city. This is what we see. And this is what people do. You know, citizens who have citizens who are so privileged that they own a building, you know, which is not most citizens. Mm-hmm. will give to the museum that is open to all the citizens these stones out of the question he understood that and that's him you know and so that was it for him you know and then of course there are many other ridiculous things he did away you know he got worse you know but no one took him seriously now i never saw that tv show you know so i of course heard of it but the year before the election i spent pretty much the entire year going around the country telling people with absolute Belief and certainty. Don't be ridiculous. He has no chance of being the president. And of course not. Do you think Donald Trump? Did? Of course not. I mean, I, I, I didn't. I had not a scintilla of doubt that Hillary Clinton would be the president. I, not at all. And my best friend kept saying to me, "Fran, you are wrong. He could win. You don't understand the country." And I would say, "That is ridiculous. I'm the one that's going around the country. You never leave 74th Street. How could I not understand?" The country? <laughs> and she said. You don't understand the country, fan, because you don't watch reality television. And she does. And I said, that is ridiculous. And she was right. I was having a conversation with someone a couple couple months after Trump was elected. And they said if they now, from the vantage point of 2017, Trump is president, looking back over the previous three or four decades, that the rise of reality TV would have been one of the big stories that now that Trump is president, they realized they had missed. But this was influencing people in ways that... You know, people who don't watch it don't understand. Or so that I, people, even the people that, like my friend who watches mm-hmm. it, you know, the way that someone in New York watches it is very different. In other yeah. words, like even my friend who watches like the Kardashian mm-hmm. clan, whatever they're called, 
she's not watching it the way that people, you know, apparently the country mm-hmm. is full of girls who want to be Kim Kardashian, you know, who don't think Kim Kardashian is this trashy girl, who think Kim Kardashian is, I don't know, Grace Kelly. I don't know who they think she is, Jackie Kennedy. You know, I mean, so that, you know, the people that I know who might mm-hmm. watch this stuff as a joke, you know, they know what she is. But it, I never, what I didn't think about and realize is that Kim Kardashian is not that to these girls who watch her, and Donald Trump is not that to the people who watch him. Mm-hmm. Yes, I didn't realize that. That is true. It is true that people in New York, when people say people in New York live in a bubble, I say, yes, well, that would be fine with me. <laughs> people outside the bubble don't get to make decisions for me. Uh-huh. Do you th- still think a certain New York sensibility prevails despite all the changes New York has undergone in the past 40 years or so? Yes. I mean, first of all, there's a million sensibilities in New York. Okay. You know, there are, I think, actually fewer than there used to be. Yes. You know, because things are more homogenized. And this is true of, like, even, like, accents. You know, in other words, things are more homogenized because people, people that are my age or older, there aren't so many people older left, but I could tell what part of New Jersey you're from. You know, that's how many little differences there were in regional accents. (laughs) I was once in a restaurant in London, like 19, I don't know, 78 or something, and I heard behind, it was a very noisy restaurant, I heard behind me a very familiar kind of accent. And it was a New Jersey accent, but a certain place in New Jersey. And I turned around and it was Philip Roth. <laughs> <laughs> Who I had never met, you know, and, and but I, that, you know, that Newark accent right, yeah. of people his age, he's older than yeah. me, that doesn't exist anymore. And from that neighborhood, we quake, that Jewish neighborhood in Newark, my father had relatives who lived there. I heard that accent, I turned around. <laughs> Okay, there's not a variation. There's there were southern New Jersey accents. There was an Upper East Side accent, Mm -hmm. you know, very distinct, you know, from the West Side of Manhattan accent. You know, there was there were Brooklyn accents, there were Bronx accents. So that type of specificity in everything, not just accents, has definitely lessened and in some cases disappeared, partially because people from watching TV. You know, I mean, that's where the accent changed because all the the uh, like broadcasters, the um, anchors, whatever, were meant to talk in a way that was not offensive to anybody, you know, so that was a very bland, you know, what I would have thought of as a kind of a Midwestern accent. But people who are from the Midwest who are my age, they would say there's no such thing as a Midwestern accent. There's Chicago. There's this town. There's the, there's the south side of Chicago. There's That's how mm-hmm. many there were. And those represented the kind of sensibilities. You know, and, you know, just the way that there are different ethnic groups in Manhattan than there used to be. But still, you know, no matter what part of New York you're from, except Staten Island, um, you are different than people from other places. And not just different, better. I know you're not allowed to say that. Better. New York is better. New York is not better because it's richer. New York is not, is not even better because it's more sophisticated, which it is. New York is better because you sit on the subway in New York. And you look around at the other people, and there are people from everywhere on the planet Earth, many of whom hate each other. And they do that great New York thing. They leave each other alone. That is what tolerance is. It's not loving people. You don't love people. Who cares? I don't care if strangers love each other. You know, I sit there, I see. The other day, there's a, a girl, young girl, I mean, younger than me, with a headscarf standing next to her is a hostage. Now, I know that if I said to this guy who would not talk to me because I'm not like crazy enough for him, um, <laughs> you know, this girl with that scarf, you know, what do you think of people like this? I hate them. You know. If I said to this girl, this stupid, what do you think? I hate them. However, there they are. He's sitting there. <laughs> yeah. He's standing there. They are not going to harm each other. 
and they don't. It's very rare in New York, that kind of thing. It happens, but it's extremely rare. Yeah. Okay? You know, and even after September 11th, where it happened here, there was so little anti-Muslim violence. There was some, but it was – there was there's more in places that there's never been a Muslim. Right. Okay? You know, there were, there's – no Muslims ever put a foot into this part of Alabama, and, you know, there's more, you know, graffiti and crazy stuff. And that's – New Yorkers understand in some way, even if they don't articulate it, the important thing is don't – is there, isn't there not be violence? There not be violence that they're, that they're just leave each other alone. You, yeah. you got a lot of flack from people around our age when you said on Bill Maher in October you, like you, about Bernie Sanders. Who leaves New York when they're 18? <laughs> <laughs> I got booed by my own audiences. I mean, Bill's audience is Bill's audience. Yeah. Okay, But I went around the country and the people came to see me paid just to see Fran. Okay? Yeah. And my own audiences booed me, let alone Bill's. Yeah. You know, Bill liked... Uh, Bernie Sanders, you know, but I have been booed by my own audiences. Mm-hmm. I don't care. They're wrong. Yeah. All right. Those kids are wrong. Mm-hmm. So if those kids had voted for Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump wouldn't be the president. Yeah. You know, I, I I saw that rally in Washington Square that he had. Which one, you know, Wasn't it moving? I mean, you saw that, you know, like this guy from Brooklyn comes back home. And, this guy yeah. left Brooklyn like 60 years ago. Okay? <laughs> so to me, this, this guy from Vermont. Okay? So this guy from Vermont comes to Washington Square, you know, where like 10,000 kids, you know, cheer for him. And what I said was true because he said college should be free and they're in college. Uh, you know what? I would have cheered from him if he said, you know, co-ops should be free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, college should be free. Yeah. I believe college yeah. should be free. I absolutely, there's no reason why college is that. College used to be free in New York, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. until the so-called, you know, bankruptcy or under mm-hmm. Gerald Ford, you know, when Gerald Ford was the president. Yeah. City College was free. Yeah. These, Brooklyn College was free. And these colleges, I absolutely take the 80, you know, or 90% of my income that goes to taxes, you know, take that. And spend it on school. I'm perfectly happy with it. But when you say free, it doesn't mean no one's paying for it. It just means the kids aren't paying for it. Fine. I am totally fine with that. Medical care should be free. I believe that too. You know, but Bernie Sanders, to just say that, running for president, you know, without saying how that would ever happen. Okay. I mean, he's irresponsible and uh, not just irresponsible. The narcissism of that guy, you know, I mean, I look, that guy was not an exotic guy to me, you know, and that guy was also, you know, I absolutely believe that we cannot judge anyone in a real way. I, I don't mean that we shouldn't. I mean, that we aren't able to accurately judge people who are not our peers, our contemporaries. I mean. You know, uh, it's very hard because we don't pick up all the codes. We don't like, you know, I always say to people, I don't know. They'll say, do you know, that kid, that 25-year-old code? I said, I don't know. I don't know. I can't decode a 25-year-old. Not that I'm really that interested, but I can't. <laughs> you know, but someone my age, I could exactly tell you what this guy means by the shoes he's wearing, you know, why he's wearing those shoes, what he's trying to tell you about himself with those shoes, what he's trying to tell you about himself by telling you he likes this musician, what he's trying. But I don't know that with kids. Okay. Bernie Sanders, I know, I believe me, he's older than me, one of the few people, I know him to the bone, and when I say what kind of person leaves New York when they're 18, that's the kind of person. The kind of person who looks around and goes, there's too much competition here. Why don't I go to Vermont? We're only six people left. Like, who, like, the idea that someone 
I don't think someone from Vermont should be the president. I don't. I mean, I not think there should be a law against it, you know, <laughs> but no New Yorker, no real New Yorker. I know to me, Trump's not a New Yorker. She's not, you know, but it would be good to have someone from the city, you know, instead of someone from Vermont. I mean, and plus he trashed Hillary Clinton so much that a lot of the people who supported him in the primaries would not vote for her. Yeah. Okay. And so and to me, you know, during that period, as I was going, I kept seeing the people. This is unbelievable to me. Do you not understand what's going to happen? I mean, I never thought Donald Trump was going to win. You know, you have to vote for Hillary Clinton. And as kids especially would say, I don't like her. And I would, I would say to them, so what? You don't like her. Don't worry. She's not calling you. <laughs> you don't like her. You have to like the president. You're not going to meet the president. This idea of liking, you know, it's like if someone says, you know, I don't know. I need a. I have a brain tumor, but I don't like the neurosurgeon. So what? You want a, the best neurosurgeon? It doesn't matter whether you like him. Let him take your brain tumor out so you can have dinner with the people you like. But I am telling you that this idea of liking, you know, which is a very young thing, by which I mean it didn't exist until these generations. It isn't that like all young people should think that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you like the president. It makes no difference. What matters is how good the president would be. Do I think I, Hillary Clinton is the most charming person on the planet Earth? I do not. You know, would she have been a, not just a better president, Donald Trump, which truthfully, there's no one who wouldn't have been better. But when I say no one, I mean, sometimes I sit on the subway and I think to myself, whoever comes through the doors when the doors open would be a better president. <laughs> and this is true if that person's in a stroller. Okay? That, that, that two-year-old boy would be a better president. You know, so that it's not just uh, better President Trump. She would have been a very good president. I mean, we never, ever had someone so qualified to be the president who understood things so as so well. You know, yes, there absolutely there are aspects of both ones. I never liked. Let me tell you, from my point of view, liking, I did not like Bill Clinton. You know, I did. And this isn't a very good example of what I was saying. Bill Clinton was the first presidential candidate who was in my generation. He's a little older than me, but he's my generation. He's the first one I got exactly when I saw him as a person. Mm. The first time he appeared, <clears throat> I thought, I know this guy. I went to high school with this guy. Okay, because you, you've gone to high school with every kind of guy or girl there is. Everyone. So, but when, when they're your contemporaries, you get it right away. I, mm. I went to high school. I hated this guy in high school, and I hate this guy now. Okay, and I didn't like him, and I voted for him twice. Not just didn't I like him, that kind of guy I don't like, but he was way to the right of me and I knew it. You know, but but he was a Democratic candidate. The Republican candidate was going to be more to the right of me. This is a thing about these because they don't get, you know, you it's not because they've lived, especially people who are in their 20s now, they live in a world of such tremendous choice that they think they have this choice in everything. You know, would you like, do you like this shirt? Well, I like it, but I don't like the color. Okay, you could have this color. Do you like this shirt? I like the blue, but I like a darker blue. Okay, you could have this blue. And then they make it for you in China where they pay the people one cent and it comes to your house. And so if you have grown you know, grown up or lived with this endless choice of every single thing that truthfully is meaningless, it doesn't really matter if you have this color, that, then you imagine in some way your consciousness is formed by the idea that you have this choice in everything. And you don't. You know, and especially in presidential elections where you have two choices and every time a third person has come in, it's been bad. Well, what about Obama? 
how did you rate his? I mean, you know, I actually knew Pat Mooney. I've never yeah. met Barack Obama. Sure. I voted for Barack Obama, but I knew right away that he was to the right of me. Okay, Obama. I, Obama. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It was when he sure. first appeared. I had never heard of him. The first time I saw him was the first time most people, I believe, saw him was when he gave the keynote address in Boston at the uh, Kerry. Um, right, the convention. Convention. Yeah. And everyone said, "Isn't he fantastic? Don't you love him?" And I said, "I don't love him." Everyone said, "Why?" I said, because he's supposed to be talking about Carrie and talking about himself. Okay? Mm-hmm. And at the Republican convention that year, who was the keynote speaker? Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> okay? So I just want to point something out. That <laughs> we live in a country where people have to, like, think about who are they going to vote for? The person who has Barack Obama as a keynote speaker or the person who has Arnold Schwarzenegger? Who, who you, you wouldn't hire to be a waiter. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, anyway. Yeah. So I said... I don't like the fact that he talked about himself mm-hmm. because the person running is John Kerry, who, by the way, a hard sell, I have to say. <laughs> John, John Kerry. I, I really don't like John Kerry. Yeah. He should have talked about John Kerry. That's the job. That is the job of the keynote speaker, and I don't like that. Mm-hmm. You know, And I really didn't like it, and I always felt that about Obama. When I saw him, everyone said, don't you love Obama, don't you love Obama? I said, he's a yuppie. Okay. <laughs> he's not Charlie Parker. He's a yuppie. Yeah. You know, he he was definitely to the right of me on a lot of things that he did. But, you know, don't ask me, wasn't he better than Donald Trump? Yes, of course. You know, I don't think that he had the uh, temperament for the presidency because he was too judicious. When the Republicans did the, you know, they do one outrageous thing after another, when they refused to have hearings about his nomination for the Supreme Court, unprecedented in the history of the company, I said he should nominate himself because he would be a fantastic Supreme Court judge because he is very judicious. That's why he that, that's where he failed in the presidency, in my opinion, by like weighing everything, seeing both sides. He didn't have the, I don't know what the word is. The temperament, maybe, is not the right word, but of a leader. A leader can't sit there going, that's what a judge is supposed to do, mm-hmm. okay? And that's what, you know, our Supreme Court doesn't do that very much anymore. But I thought he should nominate himself because when Mitch McConnell kept saying the person should be the choice of the American people, which, of course, it was, you could say, well, twice the American people elected this man to the presidency, so he's a choice. He should say, I'm nominating myself to the Supreme Court. I'm going on the Supreme Court right now. You have to very, very, and we will let Joe Biden be the president for five minutes. I don't want a president now. I know he's running. I never liked Joe Biden. I don't want a president now. But I did never felt. And if you're asking me, do I think that Obama was as smart as Pat Moynihan? There's a difference between knowing someone that you talk to, sure, and you know the evidence of the intellect that you see of a person that you mm-hmm. never meet. I mean, certainly he was extremely intelligent, Obama. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, sure. there are such different. Uh, Kinds of, you know, Pat Moynihan was so much more emphatic, even as a politician, you know, because Obama was more like people like psychoanalyzed presidents. You know, people say, well, Obama was afraid of being seen as an angry black man. And I'm, I'm certain that's true, you know, that. Uh, but since I don't know him, I don't know how that affected him. You know, Pat Moynihan, I mean, with men, you know, I always think it's better to have very tall men. You walk down the street, a man walks down the street and unconsciously. He's thinking, this guy's bigger than me. This guy's smaller than me. If this guy starts up, I could get this guy. I said, here's what it's like to be a woman. Every guy is bigger than you. Every guy is stronger than you. Unless the guy is 97 years old, you know. Uh, but other than that, and, and just even, you know, even if you're a young girl, you know, even when I was young, you know, I mean, I was never what you call a great athlete or anything like that, strong. 
obviously, you know, an, uh, an older woman is much more in danger in that way. But still, almost every man is stronger than almost every woman. And this is something that goes into your consciousness from the time you're born. You know, it's not that I walk around feeling scared. Every man's going to beat me up. I just automatically think of men as not just think. I know that almost all men could physically overpower me. And that has been true my entire life. That is true of every woman their entire life. What have you made recently of the recent sexual harassment scandals, Harvey Weinstein and the news? Well, I will tell you, not that it's a great thing to say, of all of the people that have been, you know, caught or publicized, whatever, I, I may not be 100% accurate. I would say that I personally know 98% of them. And I think, like, what does this say about your friend? <clears throat> that, like, Because certainly, even though this is a lot of guys, this is like, whatever, 30 guys, okay? Most people don't know all 30. I know pretty much all 30 of these guys. Only one or two was I surprised by. Like, are you kidding me? So-and-so? Like, really only one. You know, however, now Harvey... Everybody knew about Harvey. This idea that no one knew, or that I've seen like really big movie stars say, no, I never heard that. That is a lie, okay? I would say to people, I'm not in the movie business. If I heard of this, you don't think that these actresses heard of this? Of course they did. Now, without the violence, this is the movie business. This has always been the movie business since there was a movie business. Okay, is that good? No, no, it's not good. It's bad. I say it's bad, but it's the movie business. It's a horrible environment. Because the rewards are so ridiculous. You know, that to me is the reason. In other words, like, you never hear this thing, you know, you never hear this with high school teachers. You never think, like, well, you know, everyone's trying to be a high school teacher. No one's trying to be a high school teacher. Why? Because you don't get treated like, you know, you know, uh, the empress of uh, Romania and make a zillion dollars. You know, who wouldn't want to be a movie star? You tell me who wouldn't want to be a movie star. It is literally like being, you know, it's like it's like winning the lottery. It is like very little work compared to an actual job. Like, say you're like a coal miner or you're a movie star. <laughs> right? you know? so, um, it's it's immensely over-rewarding in every possible way. You know, then when this other stuff came out about, you know, all these deals and these Mossad agents, I said to someone, Harvey had a whole separate business. He had like a sexual assault business. He had two businesses, a movie business and the sexual assault business. And the sexual assault business was doing a lot better than the movie business in the last few years. You know, but <laughs> the... Um, now, you know, I, of course, I've heard from men millions of times in the last, like, few weeks, it's going too far. Don't you think it's going too far? No, I don't think it's going too far. Do I think some people will be unjustly <clears throat> accused? I do. You know, but every woman who's subjected to this is unjustly subjected to this. No one deserves this. No one, okay? Someone my age, in a zillion years, I never thought this would happen. It, it never even occurred to me this would change. This is just the world as you find it, okay? So it never occurred to me that this would change ever, ever, ever. This happened so fast, you know? And in a way, this seems to me like it happened so fast. You know, Why? even this this uh, stuff with these guys getting caught, every single woman who ever lived had this happen to them, not rape, you know, but things happened to them. You know, it's just like, you never even thought about it. I never, you know, when I was a young girl, I always, had, before my first book came out, I never had this kind of thing happening because I never had a job. I never could get a job. You know, I didn't finish high school. I didn't know how to type. That was it. When I was a girl, you know, typing was the job that girls got. And I didn't know how to type, and that was deliberate. I did not take typing in school because I did not want to have to type. I figured if I don't know how to type, they can't make me type. 
it never occurred to me at that point. And then you cannot have any job, you know? So all the jobs that I had were like weird jobs. Like I, not weird, but I was a cleaning lady. They were unskilled, a hundred percent unskilled jobs. If someone said, I know of a job and I say, what do you have to know how to do? And they say nothing. That was a job for me because I knew how to do nothing. Okay. So I was applied for, I, the one thing about New York when I was young is there were a million bad jobs. You could get a bad job anytime you wanted. There were just a zillion of them. These were minimum wage jobs, and you could get them. You could change your job every four days. You know, also, many of these jobs paid you in cash at the end of the day. You know, so that you could, like, if you could wake up with no money in the apartment, which I woke up many, many days like that, you didn't have to panic. You could say, I can go get a job, and by the end of the day, I have money in my hand. And you didn't need that much money. In other words, you know, this what. So most of my friends who were girls who were, had to work were waitresses and I would never do that. I would never be a waitress because I was, I used to say, I'm not smiling at men for money because that's how you got bigger tips. And everyone would say, there were so many waitress jobs. All my friends would say, if you need to work, I would say, oh my God, I have no money. I have $2 left. You can take a shift to my restaurant today because there were always the uh, availabilities because girls didn't show up. But you know. is, is it possible, like, you know, with the people criticize you for the Bernie Sanders quote, but like if you're 18 today, is it possible to make it in New York with no, no. money and no connections no. Like, to do what you do? Like, is no. it, can, can no. there be someone who did what you did today? No. What Impossible. would you do? Impossible. Would you go to another city? Or? <laughs> you know, people always say, what would you do? Impossible. When I came to New York, I did not know a single person in New York. Not one person. I came to New York with $200 that my father gave me. You know, and I didn't know anyone or anything or how to do anything. No one. I had no money. Could someone do that now? No, they could not do it. I mean, it wasn't so smart to do it when I did either. It was kind of idiotic. You know, I mean, I, but you could not do it now because you need so much money to live badly now. You know, I mean, I live badly. I mean, people like me that I know, we live really badly, you know, but you couldn't live the way we lived. It doesn't even exist anymore. Okay. So no, absolutely not. But when people say to me, do you know, if you were 18 now, could you come to New York? This is the kind of question that I stress to people. There's no accurate way to answer this question because if I was 18 now, I wouldn't be me. I just wouldn't be. It's like when people say, if I were black, I say, but you're not, you know, if, if I was a man, but you're not. So like who you are is all those things, you know, mm-hmm. some, there's no such thing as Fran 18 now. Okay. 18 now would be a different Fran. Okay, and I don't think that 18 now would be a France stupid enough to come to New York to $100 because, you know, it it just wouldn't. And also, you know, to not there are not too many kids who know as little as I do, as I did then, because people know more things now, Hmm. you know, so that, you you know, the the millions of times I walked into places, you know, and it was New York was very dangerous then that I did know and everyone. It was really dangerous in a way that you can't convey to people how dangerous it was. And people say, well, you know, nothing ever happened. To you. Nothing ever happened to me. You know, I mean, some of it was luck and some of it was there's certain things I just, no, that's stupid. You know, let's not do that. I mean, I still will not walk into Central Park if it is getting dark. <laughs> this time, absolutely not. Are you insane? Yeah. <laughs> I, I would not do it. I sit on the subway now. I see people put their bag next to them on the seat. And I think, what is wrong with you? If I have a pencil. I'm holding like this. You're not getting this pencil from me. You know, I see people very relaxed about things like that. I live in an apartment building where there are 3,000 men downstairs ready to protect me from anyone invading into the building. I have three locks on my apartment door. And people go, like, I, I just moved in this apartment like six or seven months ago, put these locks in. People go, are you, you need this for? You have this doorman downstairs? I say, mm, 
you know what? Put these three locks in. I'm with these three different kind of locks. Mm. The second I close the door to my apartment, it could be four in the afternoon. I'm <laughs> 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 like, you know, these are the habits of someone who lives in New York in 1970. Yeah. You know, I haven't given them up. You know, but uh, no, people cannot do that, and it is worse for the city. It is very bad for the city that it is. In fact, I think the worst thing for the city now is the way it keeps out kids who are not rich. Because the last thing, there's never been a time in New York where someone says, you know, New York would be much better if we had a lot of kids who weren't going to inherit money here. Okay, <laughs> that Because inherited money yeah. is like, to me, the most un-American thing. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the, the worst thing in this tax bill is the loss of the state tax. Yeah. I mean, this mm -hmm. is the one thing that the Democrats should be talking about nonstop, but I haven't heard a word from them. Okay, the estate tax is the most American tax there is. You want to be mm -hmm. America first? Here, that's what made America different from England. That's why we had that little war with England. Okay, mm -hmm. you cannot pass down these huge fortunes. You can make all the money you want, although mm -hmm. I could live without that. But you can make all the money you want, but you can't give it all to your children because mm -hmm. I'll tell you how long it's going to take. For you know the 20 people that are now running the country to become the 10 people that are running the country, you know, at, to pass down these huge, for, huge fortunes unmolested. If I was in charge, the estate tax would be 98 percent. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's it, would, it should be confiscatory. Yeah. The idea is to not have an, an aristocracy. Yeah. You know, I mean, the the idea is you can spend all this money in this stupid way, and the amounts of money people have now they yeah. ever had before, you can't give it to your kids. Guess what? You can't. And this amounts of money. You know, I mean, what, like, say, the Koch brothers are going to leave or people like that with that kind of money or, you know, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, and, you know, these people with these truly stupid amounts of money. Yeah. OK, in two minutes, they're more powerful than the United States government. Yeah. They're more power. And that is wrong. Now, I don't mean just wrong and correct. I mean, morally wrong. Yeah. Take the money away. You know, Mark Zuckerberg made this crazy amount of money only because no one really knew what he was doing. Right. Yeah. So I mean, he made this crazy amount of money. All right. I think he has some children, Mark Zuckerberg, or yeah. at least one child or whatever. Okay, that child, no. Okay, that child wants to have this kind of money? Well, you go steal some idea from someone else, you know, like yeah. your father did. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, yeah. because usually, you know, these people who made all this money, especially the people now, are, they contribute the least to the country, oh, yeah. not the most. They contribute the least. Now, you know, I mean, I always say, like, I know that the robber barons were called robber barons for a reason. You know, I get that. On the other hand, we have all these libraries. Yeah. The Carnegie Libraries. And we have Carnegie Hall. We have like, so yes, I don't believe that they should, you know, steal the money and then give it back to us in little bits. You know what? Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, that's why I'm against, you know, this idea of philanthropy as being some great thing. You know what? These things should be paid for with public money. That's what taxes are for. They should, because they should be owned by the public. Yeah. You know, Central Park is privatized now. You know, that's practically privatized. It shouldn't be. Central Park closes at midnight now. That is against the city charter. The Central Park and all the city parks, all the parks, have to be open 24 hours a day. They have to be. It's in the city charter. Giuliani, I think, was the one, or Bloomberg was the one who started closing them at midnight. Truthfully, not that I'm going into the park at 1 o'clock <laughs> in the morning, but I should be allowed to. And I am allowed to. That's what public means. Public means there is total public access. It's like saying you can't walk on the, the you know, 10th Street, you know, at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yes, you can. Yeah. Every once in a while someone gets arrested in the park. 
because they're in, and they use that as an excuse and they're not really arrested because they're in the park they're arrested what they're doing in the park and I always say they never fight and of course usually guys and I, I always think I wish one of you would fight it because you can be in the park at 3 o'clock in the morning if you're that insane you know but you know, you, you can and you should be allowed or to or if you have nowhere else to go I mean yeah that's what it's there for you know I mean the the fact that someone told me this recently I don't know if it's true but someone who works in homeless thing yeah. told me that they believe that at least 1,000 people live in Central Park. And I said, don't you find that to be incredibly disgraceful to the city of New York? Yeah. I mean, and then on the, it's like walking, if you walk down Fifth Avenue late at night, yeah. if you walk on the park side of Fifth Avenue, you know, there's all those benches, mm-hmm. park benches. Yeah. Someone's sleeping on every single bench yeah. across the street from the most expensive real estate in the country. You know, in the country. And sometimes I look down and I look and I think, what is wrong with this city? Yeah. I mean, it's it is it's almost like a joke. Yeah. You know, that you look like across the street and across the street there's the doorman. That's why they're not on that side of the street. Because there's doormen in every building, you know, and those doormen on Fifth Avenue. If you walk too slowly past one of those buildings, me, you know, like me, a person obviously not homeless, white, an old lady, you know, they're looking at you. Keep going. This is your building. Keep going, you know. And I, you know, it's a disgrace to the city that we have people sleeping in the street. A disgrace to see a, a, a thousand people sleeping in the park every night. I mean, everyone acts like homelessness is some insoluble problem. It's a very simply solved problem, you know. Uh, public housing. I, I just think, like, uh, you know, that the problem is calling it homelessness. That's the problem. Because home is a very complicated concept. I have very rarely been able to provide myself with a home. But a house is a thing. They should call it houselessness. Okay? <laughs> a house is a thing. We can provide things. We can pay for and build things. We cannot provide a home. I'm sorry. Too complicated. You know, but we can provide housing. Of course we can. I mean, how rich is this city? I mean, it is so rich. It's overflowing with zillionaires, I'd be happy to deport them. You know, like put Fran in charge. I'll go out and like, you have a hedge fund? Out. You're going to, yeah. you're going to Central America. We'll keep one of these people here. You're going back. You know, yeah. I mean, these things shouldn't even be allowed. Yeah. Okay. But this amount of money that they have, then stop giving it to museums with your name all over it and build an apartment building. Yeah. And you can call it, you know, whatever your name is, apartment building. I don't care. 20,000, you know, I, I saw some guy in the news saying that whatever thing he deals with, homelessness, he said, I, I, we deal with, we have 20,000 people a night, not in one homeless shelter, 20,000, 20,000, okay, that's, that is nothing compared to 8 million, but it's 20,000 to 1 people will be sleeping in the street, and the, you think, well, why didn't all the 8 million people just chip in $1, okay, which we already do, <laughs> right. yeah. and why don't they use the money for that, instead of, Andrew Cuomo's idea of lighting up all the bridges in different colors. <laughs> you know? Know. Oh, all the bridges Seriously, are going to be beautiful. Yeah. They're going to be in different colors and it's going to be rhythmic. You know, and, yeah. and, and he goes, you've never seen anything like it. And I think, unless you haven't been to Las Vegas. <laughs> I've seen something like it. And guess what? You know what? They can have that in Las Vegas. And, you know, we don't need all the bridges different colors. And who cares? Yeah. Anyway, New York should be black and white. It should be all different colors. 